when I first started, I was really buyer uh, heavy and a lot of first time home buyers. Um, now I've really have gravitated more to being uh, more equal. So a lot of on the sales side, a lot of what I do is that new development uh, stuff. And then on the buy side, it's a lot of first time home buyers, but also investors. So I'm a big believer in financial freedom. And if I can help other people see the same vision that I have, I'm all for it. And so I love when my like first time home buyers turn into investors. Um, and kind of get that real estate bug. Uh, so a lot of what I do is walk people through, how do you analyze a rental deal for the first time? And how do you get comfortable with these terms that you might have never heard before, cash on cash, cap rates, things of that nature. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, I am really excited about this interview today. Today I get to interview Karina Mejia. So the uh, Karina and I, we've been following each other on social media, on Instagram. We get to keep up that way, have some mutual friends and, and some of the other stuff. She's been doing uh, big things in real estate. I told her that she should come on the show so we can talk about it. Karina, how's it going? Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, and I told you, like your your setup looks like the perfect podcast studio. I'm like jealous of saying I need I need a more perfect background uh, for where I am so that people watch this on YouTube or to be impressed. You got to curate your office space. <laughs> you got to curate, yes. Like the, it's it, especially if you're in the real estate world, you should be able to like know how how stuff feels. Where do you live? So I'm from Boston, Mass. I actually live in Chelsea now, which is right next to Boston. All right. The when did you become a real estate agent? I've had a license for five years, but I went full time three years ago, and have been okay. doing that ever since. What made you decide to become a real estate agent? So I took a class in real estate development when I was in college and it was kind of a one-off. My uh, pursuit was going to be something else and I was interested. I didn't have an internship lined up for that junior year summer, which most people in my college did. And I thought, okay, well, why don't I get my license? Some people had suggested it um, already. So I thought, let me give this a go. I realized by doing it that I actually had an interest for it and uh, kind of started doing some deals, ended up taking a job after college anyway, uh, related to my degree somewhat, and quickly realized it wasn't for me and that I should go full time and, and try and see if I could be successful in this. What was your degree? So I went to school for economics and international studies with a political science minor. I uh, definitely wanted to be more in like the... Uh, a law side of things. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I, so I, I went to school for construction management, but the real estate development classes were the most fun. So it's like, they were trying to teach us how to like build stuff quickly and systems for that. But that was not as exciting as the actual, like real estate side of things, the profit and loss for flips and long-term developments and, and things like that. So it was funny. 90, 90% of the coursework was like how to actually build stuff quickly. And I've used that, but the, the, mo the more fun part about real estate is actually, uh, the development side. So you took a job for sure. a little while. So you yep. had been licensed for a couple of years and then you decided that you were going to go full time. Um, how did you get your first, how'd you get your first deal? Was your first deal when you were still in, sc in school or? or well, my first, 
Yeah. So I was, when I was in college, I was starting to do rental transactions. So I hadn't really closed a sale. I didn't close a sale until I graduated college. I took a W2 job, which was in commercial real estate. So I used to do valuations for uh, commercial uh, buildings, essentially. And at that time, I used my W2 income to buy my first property. Um, and I, that, so that first property was my first deal transaction as an agent. <laughs> yeah. So the, that's cool. I, I think that's Some people say like, I got my license cause I knew I was going to buy a house as an investor. And they're like, we just don't want to pay other commissions. So like, it's not yep. super uncommon for agents to have their first deal be their own property uh, yep. as they're doing something. So when you decided to go full time, did you, did you join a team? Did you join like just a regular office? Like what was your process like? Yeah. So I joined a small firm in East Boston, which is where I grew up. And looking back, I think I would have joined a team right away um, because I would have loved to have kind of been plugged into their systems, but I didn't do it that way. Um, started doing some rentals, was trying to really get my foot in the door with sales, quickly transitioned to Compass um, and realized that um, it was when I was ready to go full-time, there was a development-focused firm uh, in the neighborhood that I grew up in. So I transferred there, and I've been with them ever since. We have definitely have a specialty for working with new development, and a lot of my growth has happened with them. So what are developments like? there is it like is it is it sky high buildings is it like is it spread out subdivisions well, what is it there are sky high buildings but i'm not selling those i so i'm selling a lot of condo conversions or new construction builds so uh developers will build let's say two to ten units uh and then we'll get the listing um so a lot of that in and around the city and some single family home spec homes as well got it and so that was mostly like the office you tied into they had some of those leads um how did you get tied into the leads and a base? Because people always talk about like, well, if, if an office already has a, a list of people and a list in their CRM, like why would they share with me? Or why would someone share with me? Like, how do you really get in when there's kind of that fear of, I don't know, somebody else could keep the commissions and keep the deals? A hundred percent. Well, I think this also ties back to just being able to recognize a good opportunity when you see it. So this firm, I've basically been with the firm since they started. And yeah, so it was, I saw that the person who opened the firm is a developer himself. So it's a developer focused firm because they basically uh, knew that they had all these pain points that your regular agent wasn't addressing with new construction listings. So they aim to create a different level of service aimed around that. At that time, I knew the developer was doing business in my area. I saw that he built a brokerage. It, it, it was uh, uh, definitely something I was interested in. And I, at that time, I was scared because I was at Compass. And so I was like, am I really about to leave a big brand name as a new agent to go to this small firm that has no reputation? And ultimately, I remember the, my broker now saying, you know, people are going to work with you because they want to work with you. They're not going to work with you because you work at Compass or because you work at Evo. Uh, the name of my company is Evo. And uh, that was, I took that advice. I went with them. And as they started to grow their pipeline and their business, I was one of their lead agents who uh, helped grow the office in that way. So a lot of opportunities came my way. And I, I feel like I, I've also uh, given opportunities to the company. Yeah. How many people are in the office? We have, we've we grown a good amount since then. So it's been about three years now. Uh, we're about, I would say 30, 40 now. Cool. We were about like five, seven when we started. So 
Yeah. The, that's always fun to be a part of any sort of company as they're growing. Like, and as Correct. people are figuring out like what team they want to join or what office they want to join out there for newer agents or people that are like thinking about that change. There's so many pros and cons to both, right? If you're joining Correct. someone that's super established, well, then they've got systems and they're creating leads and maybe like you tie into their CRM and, and it's like, you know, what you're going to do each day. Um, but smaller ones that, you know, the benefit is you might not have some of that, but there's this opportunity to like build something that you love. Like, and if you're in at the beginning, you know, as, as stuff builds up, you get to be like kind of higher up on the totem pole for lack of a better, uh, you know, like you get to just be, become more of the culture you're trying to create. Has it grown? Have you felt like that? Uh, definitely. Like, I definitely feel like there's been leadership opportunities within the office. And I, I have a, a smart, small team that I started from some of the agents um, that joined later on. So that that's in one way, but also just the input that I'm able to have on different stuff like brand guidelines or systems that I just wouldn't be able to have at a big name brokerage. And I love walking into the office and knowing everybody there and, and having uh, a, a real community, which I just think sometimes when you have 300 plus agents in one office, it's it's hard to cultivate that. Yeah. So you talked about condo conversions as one of the, the things your clients do that you guys get to sell. Tell some of like some of the listeners that aren't from Boston or from other places probably never heard of a condo conversion. So like what's a condo conversion? Yeah, so a lot so a lot of what we tried to do is also help them acquire the lot or the uh old uh housing stock so that they can then uh so we'll get the buy side commission and then they'll depending on the project you might have to go through zoning so that you get more units approved or if it's a buy right which means you can build let's say hypothetically three units on one lot then you don't have to go through that zoning process. But essentially they'll take uh, what is a two family home and they'll convert it into two condos. Or if the lot allows for it, they'll add a, a bunch of more units. And a lot of what we do is we're really with them through the entire process. So we have zoning attorneys we can connect people with. And we are really, we've kind of built a niche for uh, pre-marketing new construction. Um, I think that's like our value add for development is how we help them throughout the entire process. Cool. So some of these developments aren't, it's, it's not so big that people couldn't picture doing it themselves or like finding investors and being able to do it. This could be something as simple as, Hey, there's a duplex on a lot. We're going to buy that duplex because we think that we can subdivide it to where, you know, instead of a duplex having one owner, you could have one person own one side one person own another side as a half plex and maybe build a unit in the back. Um, and 100%. you know ways to kind of maximize value for that that end user type stuff that seems very like um i don't know if like for small time like new investors new developers condo conversions are are really cool entry level i think cuz they're not super intimidating like they take work like if you have the attorneys i could see you guys being able to market to like newer investors and going hey if you haven't thought about this we can help you uh along the way with that yeah, so you, uh, that's definitely uh, what we focus on. And something that I love to see as we've grown is that we're now attracting those younger flippers, the people who are, I have people that come to me and say, hey, I want to do my first deal. Um, let, how, how, how can you help me, right? And I think it's because we're so centered around uh, development and for, it's, it can add so much value to those new developers. So right now, like what's what's the market like in Boston? Especially like, you know, compared to a year ago, compared to six months ago, and now as we're, you know, you know, it's starting to get warm again. 
Yeah. So obviously the craziness that we just went through a year ago um, is no longer the case. But we definitely, once interest rates spiked, we saw a lull for sure. And I think people were really uncertain as to what was going to happen. A lot of buyer demand fell and that happened kind of throughout uh, uh, the country as well. But I think, you know, that fall period, we really were concerned as to what is going to happen with uh, price points, especially with all these new development listings that um, you, you make a certain projection and then they're not finished until, you know, six, 12 months. And what we're seeing after, after 1231 is like a switch went off. All of a sudden, I started getting all these buyer uh, inquiries and we really saw the market pick up. And this is happening kind of all around. Um, we definitely, I, I kind of see the market as a tale of two uh, worlds right now. You have one side where if you list a property with uh, the correct price, you will get multiple offers and it, you can still see the waived inspections uh, and you'll see it go above ask. That's still happening in this market. But then you still then you have the people who are not pricing accordingly, who are not taking into account those interest rates, and those are going are are sitting. And I think buyers have an opportunity to secure a deal in on that end. But overall, I see the Boston market pretty strong right now. Yeah. So for you personally, are you doing more deals on the buy side? So I know like the 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 best thing you can do is represent an investor where you're going to help them buy it, you're going to help them subdivide it, and you're going to help them sell it. Like that's, that's the ultimate because you're getting a bunch of transactions and investors. You could get 10 transactions a year instead of one or two. Is that most of your business right now? Or is it, are you also like a lot of buyers that aren't investors? Like what are you yeah. doing the most of personally? Yeah. So personally, when I first started, I was really buyer uh, heavy and a lot of first time home buyers. Um, now I've really have gravitated more to being uh, more equal. So a lot of on the sales side, a lot of what I do is that new development uh, stuff. And then on the buy side, it's a lot of first time home buyers, but also investors. So I'm a big believer in financial freedom. And if I can help other people see the same vision that I have, I'm all for it. And so I love when my like first time home buyers turn into investors um, and kind of get that real estate bug. Uh, so a lot of what I do is walk people through, how do you analyze a rental deal for the first time? And how do you get comfortable with these terms that you might have never heard before? Cash on cash, cap rates, things of that nature. Um, so pretty equal at this time. Yeah. Cool. And you started to buy your own investments? Correct. I bought my first property when I was 22 years old and I have 12 doors now. That's awesome. Are they all in the Boston area? No. So half of them are in Boston, which those I've uh, have been able to acquire through owner occupant financing, low down payment options. And then the other half, so six units are in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, I just happened to meet an investor through a mastermind who uh, was a property manager in that area. We connected and he was kind of my deal flow uh, source. Cool. So how many deals will you do this next year, you think? Ooh, I think I, I, I definitely think that 50 million is doable. Now, how many transactions will that take? Uh, 75? 75. Ish. ish. Yeah. The, My price um, point is, is increasing, so I, it could be less. So you'll do 75 deals, the, um, but yeah, but you're, well, you're going to try to get 75 deals. You're going to try to get, get, get the, the right volume number and you have 12 rentals. Are you going to try to buy any more rentals right now? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm, so I think that's one of the things that I'm able to instill into a buyer is the confidence that I'm living through this. I'm not just another like sales rep telling you, Hey, you should do this. No, like I actually believe in what I'm saying. And I do hope that I acquire more properties this year. The goal, I set a, a lofty goal of one per quarter, which is for some people, it's not too much, but for somebody who's trying to also grow their real estate business, um, you know, I have to decide where do, where is, uh, the dollar best spent in my business as an agent or in my investments. And so I talk, I toggle between that, but I do hope to acquire properties this year as well. Cool. No, one a quarter is good. That it adds up quick. It's like, uh, buying rentals is crazy. And as it, as it snowballs and you get to more and more of them, it really starts to make a bigger difference. You know, you can you have, have a bunch. How many do you have? I've got a bunch. I've got a bunch of rentals. So the, I have, um, we got, we got 850 houses now yeah. and we have one apartment complex. But I remember as I was like, as I was like getting them in place, I would buy like, I'd buy a couple, I put loans on them and they'd make like a hundred dollars a month on the rental. Cause I'd be really highly levered. And I remember at times being like, is this really a good plan or not? Like, couldn't I just flip this house and the, you know, and after obviously, and then you keep building up and after a long time, like I've, I love rentals. I think everybody should have rentals. Uh, I think it's great that you have 12 as an agent, because you would, you wouldn't believe how many agents I interview that don't have any invent that, that maybe own their own house. Um, but I've met a lot of agents that don't own the house that they live in and for sure don't have any investments yet. So if you were going to like touch or inspire just some of those listeners, right? Like people out there that are thinking about it and they're nervous, like, Hey, should, like I want to be an investor, but maybe the market's turning or I want to own a rental, but is it really worth it? Like the long-term financial freedom plan that you have. Cause like, cause so I have a, I have a, a gazillion rentals now. Right. But I started buying them in 2015 after I had like made a bunch of money, then lost it all. And I was like, man, I worked way too hard the last five years to have nothing to show for it. So 2015, I'm like, I'm going to work really hard for the future and maybe like delay some gratification, um, with that sort of thing. So what do you, how do you feel about all that? Like you're on your journey, you're in the middle of the journey. You've been going for a while, right? Like you've got 12, <laughs> yeah. like, like the, and, and it's that process. What do you think about it? Yeah. So I heard this quote the other day that your life is either easy now, hard later or hard now, easy later. And I prefer the latter. Um, the way I see it, I love what I do. Like I could, I work all the time. I work too much. People in my, in my personal life complain about that, but, um, so I love it. I'm, I'm tuned in, but I know that I didn't come to this earth just for this. Right. And I know that I want to live a life in abundance. I'm somebody that I don't come from money. I come from first generation, uh, hardworking parents, um, immigrants, and I'm so blessed to make the amount of money that I do and to live the life that I do. And I want to, like, I, I would be doing a disservice to my parents if I did not live out my dreams. And living out my dreams entails a portion of my life where I don't wake up every single day just to work. And so that's what I, and everybody's why is different. And I think as a listener, you have to digest what is your why. For me, human relationships, that's partly why I'm in real estate, but human relationships, human connections, I want to spend my life doing the things that I love with the people that I love and having abundance in my life that comes through passive income and not just active income. And so I would encourage everybody who's listening to think very deeply about the things that they want in life and to create an action plan and work towards them. I know that's easier said than done, but I think, I think we should all be doing that.
Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Air Mucistegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used LineDesk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow Up also gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like follow-up box better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list-based, that's fine. If I want to go task-based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems, and it's very user-friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user-friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with follow-up boss. Purely objective. Follow-up boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. You know, I think the um, you know the the benefit of what the, the price. It's easier to buy a house right now than it was nine months ago. It's easier to no matter what. Like even when houses are selling strong, people are now getting concessions that they weren't able to get a year ago. So any house you buy. You're going to be able to put less of a down payment down, you know, because you won't have to pay. Like there's no matter what, even FHA buyers, like average FHA buyer is putting like an like fifteen thousand dollars less down right now because of concessions, and that wasn't something that that they, you know that they were able to do before because they were putting money down, but the sell so all this stuff. So if people are thinking about buying their first investment, on one hand we have, you know, prices getting cheaper, and some people are nervous about buying, but like what if prices go down again? Um, but but in the longer term, like longer concept, you can buy for a deal for less than you could have a year ago. And a lot of these rentals, like if you're buying them to own them 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, and you're only going to be, and you're, and you're going to buy like two a year or one a quarter or one a month, whatever it is, like, I think it's just time to like, I think it's just time to start. Have 100%. you had people asking you or have you felt, have you got nervous about price corrections in the journey? Has it, has it made you pause? 
I think uh, it really depends on what somebody's time frame is, right? If you're looking to uh, for an exit strategy in the next two years, yeah, maybe I would be more concerned with what prices are doing. But most consumers, and including myself, will be holding for the long term. And um, we've seen what happens with real estate in, in the United States. It goes up and down, up and down and up and down, but it has always trended upward. And so when we're long-term thinkers or uh, buy and hold, um, or we use the buy and hold strategy to and plan to hold long-term, I'm not concerned with it. Uh, it it's, I think prices will be uh, higher by the time that I'm uh, ready, even considering selling any of my properties. Yeah. Which hopefully never. Right. You, like that's, yeah. that's the other side of it is you get, if you get really good properties, you never have to sell them. You only have to sell your bad ones and you can trade out to, to better ones. And even the bad ones time, like time makes everybody look like an amazing investor in real estate, yeah. in, in real estate and stocks and anything. Like, like if you get a, you, you can buy a horrible house and let, let enough time go by and now it's worth more than you bought it for. So the, yeah. uh, it's 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 been a it's been a benefit and something really funny that we've seen over the last couple of years. Let's talk about like marketing and like getting new clients, right? So the as you're getting these new clients that are first time buyers, you're getting these new clients that are also investors. How are you? How are you finding them? And what's your what's your follow up like? What's your what's your action plan? If you're telling yourself, I want to get seventy five transactions this year, here's my funnel right now. How do you start getting people on top of funnel? Yep. So a lot of my uh, branding is through social media. And I think that happened almost by accident. Now there's more intention behind that. But um, it's definitely created a brand where I attract people who are looking to buy, who are looking to use their FHA to buy their first property, or who are looking to sell a development deal. Um, so a lot of that comes through there. And then it's a follow-up plan. Um, I'm trying to get better at using my CRM uh, and doing things of that nature. But um, we do some marketing on Google Pay-Per-Click. And I used to do Zillow. I don't do it anymore. Um, kind of just... Uh, trying what works and what's not working. But um, a lot of it is just having conversations. Like I set this uh, goal this year of, of seeing, I have an X amount of coffee meetings and, and networking with X amount of people. And I do think that that uh, comes to fruition, um, the amount of referrals that I get and things of that nature. Yeah, I love that. I had interviewed a guy last year that the you know he he was a pastor and became a real estate agent and one of his first things that he did was just the goal and the number of times he went to coffee with people, like he said like that was his one thing that he could track that his number of closings every year was going to be based on how many times he like met someone and just had coffee one on one essentially like how many people did he go have a an hour long conversation with he could directly attribute that to how many deals he was going to have at the end yeah. of the year as his top of funnel. So I think it's cool that that's like one of your one of your metrics. You're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this this many times. Oh, 100%. And what I've realized is, the you know, everybody talks about the power of your network, but I have really seen that, the importance of that as the more I get in, uh, grow into the industry, the more I see it's, uh, how important it is. Um, the amount of referrals that I get just because I met with somebody or how I stay top of mind just because we're staying in contact, whether that be text, phone call. I think there, you know, this idea that, that you have to cold call. There's a lot of people that you can say top of mind with just by text, right? They, they prefer that you text them. Um, they prefer that you comment on their social media when they have when it's their birthday and that when they have a baby and have important uh, uh, moments in their life. It doesn't always have to be that cold call um, that I think is pushed on in a lot of side of the industry. Yeah. So what's something now that you've been an agent for a little while like that you wish you would have known when you first started? 
in real estate or that, or that's really been a shock. Like when you first thought about real estate, you didn't know you're going to spend so much time doing this, or if you would have known this, you could have skipped some uh, bumps in the trail. I would just, so I wish I had uh, joined a team so that I would have learned all the systems quicker. Uh, I think now a lot of it has been through what I've done. I've created my own systems because, oh, this is how I do a buyer consultation. This is how I uh, go through a transaction with a buyer. So I've created those systems for me now. But I wish looking back that I had just plugged into somebody else's because it probably would have kickstarted me much earlier. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, uh, I, I think it, it's with anything, right? Like who we hang out with, with our network, with who teaches us things. Nothing that we do in life is um, is super unique. I mean, I guess not, not in the sense that we're all unique and we all want to really, really be unique. But anything I've done, someone else has done it before. You know, anything you've done, it's like there's people before us that have done it or had the same problem. And especially when we have these big challenges, we go like, no, I don't know if other people have gone through it, but. Yeah, when there's when there's the team or when there's like mastermind type events or when it's just like, you know, your network of people you can bounce ideas off of doing doing life as a team and entrepreneurship as a team. I remember my first kind of like big rises and big falls in business. I didn't have anybody that I could talk to about it. Like so I was building a business on my own and when it was going really good, no one could tell me like, "Hey Aaron, you should keep your eye on this or this or invest some money over here." And when I was losing it all, I didn't have anyone to help help raise me back up. So that was my that was my big lesson, you know, in the first one before I went to the other one. Is like going together with other people can help you figure stuff out faster. Um, even if you decide to do a lot of stuff on your own after that. What when about I, have you been using? Go ahead. When I look back at, I've thought, what was it that caused my success? Like I've always looked back, like what was that thing that I did um, because I have a team and I want them to be equally as successful. And I think it is the people that I've surrounded myself with, whether it has been through my brokerage, whether it's been through a mastermind, whether it's been reaching out for coffee, like just how intentional I've been about um, who I'm in contact with. Yeah. How about like technology? Is there a technology out there that you're using a lot of in real estate or that people should be doing it? Um, I use uh, the C my CRM, which everybody has their own. I have started to use PropStream a lot lately uh, to pull lists. Um, I hired a cold caller, um, and this is uh, mainly targeted at uh, finding deals for those developers that I told you I work with. Um, I would say that's about it on my side. I don't I don't use too much too much tech. Yeah, I like the idea of lists. Right. Of like, of like taking those lists and trying to find it. I think a big challenge that people are going to find, the agents are going to find right now is people want to buy and people want to sell. And there's like a shortage of supply, but at the same time, most sellers don't want to sell for what buyers can afford right now. So there's just yeah. this gap. So even though it's like, oh, there's a short, so there's not very many transactions are happening. And I think so many agents need to create the market or need to create their transactions. Like the people that, that don't want to sell right now or the people that bought, maybe maybe they bought three years ago, so they have some equity, but they have a lot less than they had six months ago. So now they're just kind of waiting. Or the people that maybe bought in the last 18 to 24 months, but there are going to be some people that, that do want to buy. You know, one of those development type properties, they, they bought it four or five years ago. They don't realize, you know, they, they're like, oh, the market, I missed my chance. I can't sell for as much as I did six months ago. Maybe they need somebody to reach out to them and go, do you know 
you know, someone that actually pay good money for your duplex right now or for your property. So when you're taking that list and, um, so, and so for listeners, uh, PropStream is, is one of the software companies out there, like some of the ones that I, that I own where you can go out and you can say, I want all the vacant houses in this zip code, or I want all of the people that have like stopped paying their water bills in this, in this. I love like the, like lean type leads where there's like something going wrong. If somebody stopped mowing their lawn enough that the city is sending them a lean, like they don't quite care about that house as much as they used to or evictions. I like ones where landlords just evicted people. And they're like, so they don't like it anymore. So you're taking a list out there and then you're trying to go through and then you hire a cold caller to reach out to them. What sort of filter uh, could somebody use if they're trying to do that? What does your cold caller say? At what point does it get handed off to you? Um, Like some of that process. So the filters will depend on what you're looking for. You could very much do this to get listing appointments. Um, so I'm looking for uh, the exact and the the uh, cool colors that I use to help me with this also have a data team. So they partly help me build a list. But it's basically people who've owned the property for X amount of years. I believe they we did seven plus. They have uh, X amount of equity. I wish I knew the exact metrics, but it was the data team that helped me pull it. Um, I think we are looking for at least 30% equity, if I'm not incorrect. We're looking for older um, individuals who might be living in bi-level homes. So getting a little uh, unique with those filters. Um, But basically looking for rundown properties. I wish I I had the filters. It's more of the data team. Yeah. No, it's cool. I, I mean, I just love, I love that stuff because we, we, we do it a lot because you can, you can so dial things down. Like who are the people that are going to sell now compared to, you know, compared to a year ago, everybody would sell. So people that are going to sell now or people that are going to buy now are going to be life events. Like, like people that are having life events where it's like their kids graduated from high school or they just had another kid or somebody's going to a retirement home. Like, so those life events are things that now you can track with data and it's so fascinating. And I just think so many of the agents right now, um, this next year need to find, need to come up with and find a plan, uh, for that. Like, how can you take the data that's out there to generate these leads? Cause like the life change, you can even now start to figure out like this person, their, their, their kid's going to graduate from high school this next year. So we should start reaching out now because in six months they're going to start thinking about selling that house um, yeah. and, and moving somewhere somewhere else and doing that. And so the cold caller technology, we just launched this texting technology on one of our software pieces. And it is super cool to be able to, you know, a legal way to text a bunch of people by rotating messages and customizing them and things like that. Because you get a lot more, um, I mean, I hate cold calling. I do it. I used to do it a lot in my business. Now I have other people do it. And I hated it because my feelings would always get hurt when people would tell me to F off. Um, you know, or they, they'd like, I'm like, no, I promise I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to find this win-win the, um, but for whatever reason, when I get it, so when somebody texts back an F off, I just, I don't feel as it doesn't hurt my feelings quite as bad. Um, well, one, one it, idea that I heard from a podcast to pull a list is people who, uh, didn't refinance. So they have like four to 5%, um, uh, interest rates and they didn't refinance during the interest rate drop because and the thought process there was, if they didn't refinance, it's because they didn't think it was worth it, which, you know, some people, of course not, but there's probably a, a good amount that, yeah, they didn't probably didn't think it was worth it because they were likely going to sell in uh, soon. So that was an, a good idea that I heard from a podcast in terms of pulling a list. Yeah. They're really likely to sell. Yeah. 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 Figuring out people's motivations that the, the data that we live in is pretty, pretty cool. Have you checked out that chat 
GPT? Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like the little helper I always needed for my property descriptions. I'm pretty well uh, spoken when it comes to writing, but it was perfect. It's like I could just grab a couple sentences here, a couple sentences there. I love it. It's fascinating. I've been playing with it so much. For listeners that haven't, like chat GPT for anything, it's this crazy AI now that's still free that you can find it. And what I started using that for our, our um, listing a, for our, our listing descriptions, where it was like, write me a listing description for this house. And then you could say, make it funnier, make it, uh, you know, make it more professional, make it shorter, make it longer. And it is amazing. The stuff that it like, I don't, and a lot of my houses I've never seen like our, like our flips, I've never seen them in person. And it's knowing stuff like this has a master bedroom on, on the second floor. Like it, like chat GPT knows stuff. I don't know about my houses it's um, awesome. on there. I think uh, a newer thing too, if people are having trouble like building out their CRM and they're, and they're trying to figure out what should you can actually say, like, I want to do, I want to send three emails to prospective clients and home buying. What should those emails be? If I want them to get to know me and it'll like, it busts out the craziest Stuff. I just used it for a job description. So I said, make, uh, you know, write me a job description for an assistant who has XYZ qualities, XYZ experience. And it gave me this blurb and I'm like, perfect. This is what I needed. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to start using it for social media scripts. Like what's a cool video that people want to see? We'll see how smart chat can really get. What are you doing? So in social media, you said you kind of grown it by accident. Um, what are your, what's your advice that you would give to people? that they're trying to grow. I mean, cause that's where, that's where you and I connected. That's where I've seen a lot of the yeah. things that, that you were doing. And so you're doing something out there that I think is like, Hey, that should really work. So, so for people out there, what advice do you give them on social media? What are maybe some quick videos or posts if they're getting started, they should try. Absolutely. I think the thing about social media is that you don't have to have any experience to be able to create content that is valuable. Like you could be a brand new agent and Google, if you don't know it, you could Google five steps to buying a home and then you can make a video on it and you'll sound like you know what you're talking about. And I think that's, uh, I would definitely have started that way. When I started, I started by just posting my activity posting that I was doing showings, posting open houses. If I, any moment I was, when I uh, joined a team, I would post listings. I would post their open houses, any under agreements. The people in, in your network have to see you doing business, have to have to think of you as an agent when they think of real estate. And they're only going to do that if they see that you're actively working in that. So that's how I started. Now I, I'm focusing on providing more of that, um, head talking videos where I'm providing value and um, that's meant to create more leads and, and things of that nature. I don't think you need to have experience to do that. Anybody can make videos either on um, on the seller side or on the buyer side, state of the market. Um, any of those videos I think uh, would do well in this market. Yeah. So the, anything else that you're thinking about in real estate, like a, a question that you wish I would have asked, um, or like just, just anything you think people should know about you or about like life or anything? Ooh, that's a good question. It's deep. I would say that not, not necessarily, but, um, I think there's a lot of people who question leaving, let's say their full-time jobs for, for real estate to be an agent. And I, or, or they want to get in the industry, but they're not sure if it'll work out for them. I just want to say, I did not grow up having a passion for real estate. I developed that passion by trying it. So I would just give people the advice of try, if, if you have an inclination that you like something, whether it be real estate or solar or whatever it is, 
I would try it, right? Because you'll only decide if you like it or you'll only develop a passion by actually doing it. It's really good advice. (laughs) I think it's really good advice because there's people like passion can be learned. Passion can happen. It can happen later in life. It can happen when you're 20. It can happen when you're 30. It can happen when you're 40. Like, and I think there's times when people go, I would never be able to do that. I would never be able to go do that. It wouldn't be exciting or you wouldn't see the other thing. I remember when I first started driving foreclosures and it was at this this crazy time where like, yeah, it was just super sketchy and the things you would see would be so (laughs) wild. And most of the people that would, would drive, would drive for me too. When we all first started it, we were like, this is horrible. Like if we weren't, if we weren't struggling to eat back then because the housing market crashed, we would have never done it. Because it was just like, it felt so sketchy. But then after a certain period of time, like we all just freaking, we all loved it. We loved it because of the variety of stuff, because of the experiences, because of like the ways that you would like, I don't know, see the human experience and find different real estate deals and things like that. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I think there's several times in life. There's things that the, um, you don't, you, you don't have to have a passion for something today to figure out if it's for you or not. And, and, and we grow up going, Hey, we're supposed to be a lawyer or we're supposed to be a doctor. We're supposed to be an engineer. Like from a young age, people say you should do this. And so we go, okay, that's what I'm going to be. And maybe we're passionate about being an astronaut or something early on, but it's such a fun reminder that you can like love something and become passionate about it later. It doesn't have to be a decision that you made when you were 10 of what do you want to be when you grow up? It can be a decision you make in your twenties that says, this is what I want to be now. And I'm going to try it and, and go do it. Karina, this has been a lot of fun. The uh, it's been fun getting getting to know you, and and really, I love the niche that you guys are working out there. I think it's I think it's really unique. And I'm 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 sure we're gonna have some listeners that are gonna start wondering. Like, I wonder if I could do that in our market because yeah. I haven't talked to very many people about condo conversions, um, and I know that it's 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 gonna happen in places where. Yeah, you know, where it happens in Austin, Texas, you know, in the downtown area where there's where there's high where's big city cores and people are running out of land and things like that. I know people are going to reach out for you uh, to talk to you with that stuff. But if someone wants to come find you, they want to talk to you about Boston, they want to send you referrals, they want to learn about uh, businesses and how you do your team. What's the best way they can come find you? My Instagram would be definitely the best way. I'm sure you'll drop the handle, but it'll be my name, Karina underscore Mejia with a double A at the end. All right. The Karina. Mejia, this is awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show. No, thank you for having me. Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for listening. All right, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully, you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also, we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there so go give us a review also be sure to go to hybendigital.com if you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you 
to go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there, too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.